Hey everybody, this is Annie Nikoloff. And this is Nikki Dolomat. And you're listening to the Two Nicks podcast episode number four. So this month, May, is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're going to showcase that in our podcast today. Yeah, we have a very special guest, been telling a lot of great stories on Cleveland.com and Plain Dealer about artists that in Cleveland who have kind of embodied mental health awareness and advocacy and there's no better person to do that than Archie Green, who's a local hip-hop artist and kind of more than just an advocate, he's an organizer who's put together a lot of great events and things like that too. Yeah, he hosts this event called Peel Them Layers Back, and it's a series that includes panels and open discussions about mental health. He also creates music that talks about his own personal experiences with this. Um, and he's actually working on some new stuff that we should expect to come out pretty soon. Absolutely, we're super looking forward to it. And he has really been kind of uh, a major force just in amplifying you know, mental health awareness and those issues and getting them out to a bigger population in Cleveland too. We went to Cleveland Institute of Art to talk to him about that. Yes, yeah, so you'll hear from Archie soon. Also in this podcast, you'll hear a new song by a Cleveland band and you'll also hear some concert announcements. But first, let's hear from Archie. My name is Archie Green. Uh, I am a hip hop artist as well as mental health advocate. Uh, I run a hip hop based mental health initiative called Peel Them Layers Back. Basically utilizes hip hop as a vehicle to spark the conversation and break the stigma. You have kind of emerged as a mental health advocate within Cleveland, which I feel like is a great honor but also probably a great pressure too so talk a little bit over the last couple years just kind of being thrust into that limelight as far as your advocacy work and kind of how that has impacted your role in the community sure well uh around the time we spoke a year ago that was which i was really grateful for that for that interview that was when things really were starting to pick up for me in terms of, you know, the Kid Cudi letter came out and I spoke with BBC News and then Channel 3 and then NPR. And then, you know, it was also around that time that I'd started Hildum Lairs back. And I think uh, just over time, it's become a hot button topic in a good way. I just read today the rates of depression have spiked like 33% in the past five years. Read that time and it's partially or primarily because people are actually getting diagnosed. So that's a good thing. I think for me, sometimes, you know, the pressure can be kind of high just because there are not a lot of other artists that do what I do, not just in Cleveland, but around the country. There are artists, there are hip hop artists that talk about mental health. There are mental health advocates to talk about hip hop and, and, you know, and relate, but there are, I don't really know any other hip hop artists that are doing what I'm doing, which is doing music, but also using this platform to break the stigma, to have these conversations. And so, yeah, sometimes it can get taxing. And I think primarily it's because I'm hard on myself. One of the biggest things that I learned from another advocate that I met a year ago, he stated to me, you you can't save everybody. So at the end of the day, you know, you can only take on so much in terms of like people approaching me and asking me, 
you know, can you, you know, can we talk about this, that, and the third? Which I'm not a therapist. I'm not a a therapist, psychologist, or anything. I'm not licensed at all. I'm just a person with lived experience, and I can I can divulge or tell you, you know, my perspective and what works for me. But at the same time, it gets daunting. I think primarily just when you have certain friends, you know, or family members that you lose, you know, to mental illness. You know, one of the biggest things that I've started stating, you know, to, to anyone, to interviews, to friends, families, this is a war. The, the biggest enemy of mental health is mental illness. And unfortunately, as much as we would hope to do the best that we can to help each other, the only person that can save you is you at the end of the day. And that's through... If it's not therapy or professional help, it's coping mechanisms. It's certain things that you are able to do. And so what I do to kind of compensate not being able to talk to everyone, in addition to doing interviews such as this, is I'll take to my Facebook Live or Instagram and I'll do video testimonials just kind of telling how I feel, like if I'm having a really bad day or if I'm not, if I'm not myself, if I'm having a depressive episode, you know, which recently had just been kind of in a, in a funk. It just happens. You know, you you live with it. There's nothing you can really do about it. You just have to, as long as you utilize those coping mechanisms, some of the things that I've learned to do, I'm able to live with it. But me sharing how I feel, like, yeah, today is not a good day. But because I know it's, it's the disease, it's this mental condition, it's not me, I know I'm going to be all right. And that helps anyone else out there that might feel alone. Well, I feel like that music is also kind of, it can be like a coping mechanism for you, but also a vehicle to talk to other people. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of the kind of attention to what you were doing jumped off around like Kid Cudi and things like that. But now it's kind of, as you said, it's become a hot button issue. And I feel like you're a little less alone in that. And yeah. have you seen you know, or notice that a lot more other artists or like Kevin Love or people like that, like how do you think that's kind of like pushing the conversation along? Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing is I've, I've, I've aligned with a collective here in Cleveland called Aloof Recordings, which stands for All's Lost Outside Our Fantasy. And I recently went to a show, one of the artists and, and co-founders, Casey Barge open for uh, Joyner Lucas at the Grog Shop the other night. And while we were on stage, Casey took a moment to acknowledge that it was Mental Health Awareness Month. Had everybody put their lighters in the air, acknowledge the fact that this is this is a fight, you know, that, that this is a bad, it was, it was a powerful moment, that we are in a fight uh, against mental illness. And, you know, the programming that, you know, we're, we're eventually going to put together, we're going to focus primarily on that as well as music and other ways that we can bring positive energy to the community. So I'm no longer alone in my efforts here in Cleveland. I do have a team that I'm working with now um, that is, you know, I feel like in terms of the talent as well as just great energy and positive vibes, I love that team. Like everybody on there is solid. But at the same time, we are. We're seeing more and more people. You know, I applauded Kevin Love for what he did. Even though we just eliminated the Raptors, I applauded Delmar DeRozan. Uh, yeah, again. Um, I applauded Delmar DeRozan 
for him coming forward and speaking on his situation. I think recently, Bryson Tiller, he came out publicly admitted it. It's becoming normal. Like, and that to me, that's my goal is to normalize it because it's nothing, it's nothing new. It's nothing extraordinary. It's normal. It's just like having a cold, you know, and going to therapy is like going to the gym because your brain is a muscle, you know, and so you need a personal trainer to kind of get you in tip top shape. I think people specifically, you're starting to see more of a trend in the black and brown communities that people are not as afraid to talk about it. Absolutely. And so in your own music, you know, I remember last time we talked, you said Layers is the most transparent autobiographical song you've ever written. That was from a very dark part of your life. So I was curious, since you've become more and more of an advocate for this, has that influenced your music at all? And how is that kind of coming out as far as like the new work that you're producing? Yeah, um, I've got a new, I've got two projects I'm working on right now. Uh, one is titled Keep Shining, which is like a mixtape, primarily geared towards encouraging, inspiring, you know, any other young artist, dreamer, or whatever that's on the path to greatness, empowering them to fight through any type of struggles that they might be going through. You know, Keep Shining is a hashtag that I started doing on social media. So, like, you know, if... If one of you guys had a great article that came out that really moved me or moved the people, I might say, like, keep shining queen. You know, the same way I would say keep shining king to one of my brothers out here who just graduated or, you know, got signed to a record. Whatever the case may be, uh, keep shining is me affirming, like, keep doing it, you know, offering words of encouragement. But at the same time. I've experienced more loss as well. You know, I recently lost a very close friend of mine, a fraternity brother to mental illness. And, you know, I wrote about it. You know, I, I put that in my music because now everybody knows now, like I don't have anything to hide. And the thing about it is, again, the more I talk about it, the more people become comfortable saying it, saying, you know, sharing their story. So you're going to hear more talk about it about what it's like to deal with someone that you lost to mental illness. Like there's a there's a song I wrote called Full Clip where I talk about, you know, some of the issues like like one of the lines in the song, why is it that he don't let no women show won't no women hold him? He wasn't ready to be a man when his auntie first showed him. Meaning it's prevalent in the black community and a brown community to be molested as a child. And that can contribute to all kinds of trauma and mental issues. You know, I talk about in the same song, you know, one of the other lines I said, I, mean, I might as well just rap it. Too many funerals I've been to in the last two. Too many hashtags up in my view. Too many tattoos of I miss you. To be honest, most was just some issues with the body and the mind. Why you ain't smiling? Ain't you fine? Yeah, I'm fine, but I'm lying. Because inside, I'm really dying. I should be crying, and I'm trying, but my uncles made it clear living life in denial was the way we was raised, passed down in emotion. A manual of how to smack down your emotions. So, 
that's another stigma. It's another part of the stigma in the black community is like, if you're a black man, you can't have, you can't cry publicly. You can't show any emotion. And so what does that do? It turns out more and more people who are not totally in tap to their feelings or in tap to what's going on. And that, that pushes, but pushes people more to wanting to take their own lives because they haven't had an opportunity to deal with what they're dealing with. So I'm working on that project. I'm also working on another project, an EP called I Like to Be Weird, spelled W-I-E-R-D. I know I've been working on it for a while. And that one is it's a celebration. It's part of my celebration, celebrating 20 years. I've been doing music, and the subject matter on there is primarily you know, this one song, Ether Real For Real moment, where I wrote after the Grammys last year when Chance the Rapper won three Grammys off of SoundCloud mixtape. I just thought that that was, once he won, I felt like everybody won. So it was like a situation where any independent artist can win a Grammy now. And so that for me was like, all right, well, shit, that's my heads up. In five years, I'll be in the Grammys, if not sooner, you know, doing the same thing. So it's a, it's very, it's, you know, this song is a song in there called Fear Not, where I talk, where I talk about, like, what my line of thinking was when I quit my job and I started chasing my dreams and, and that kind of thing. So, and then there's, there's like this intro called a weird intro. It's like a poem slash soliloquy slash motivational speech type deal where, you know, I talk about like, you know, what it takes to achieve greatness or to achieve a goal or to make a dream a reality. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have faith, but you got to, it's going to be hard. It's very hard. Like it, it was, it was very hard to get to where I am today. I'm grateful for where I am, but I've almost lost my mind numerous times. I saw one of your Facebook lives where, you know, you gave a tip of like taking a mental health day and how you did that. And it was helpful for you. Do you have any like pieces of advice that you've, that you could give us that you've said on Facebook live or just given people about mental health and things that have helped you? You said you have coping mechanisms that you would want to share. You know, I'm grateful that I'm able to take mental health days because I know like certain places of work, it's still like kind of frowned upon or looked at weird. It's become more normal. So I'm grateful that I'm able to do that. And that's something a lot of people aren't even aware of. It's part of the reason why I shared I took a mental health day because like a lot of times it's not just, I don't just deal with depression. I deal with anxiety as well. And that can be very, very taxing on my heart, <laughs> my heart's racing and and not having a moment to sit down, like just almost like fight or flight. So taking a day to not do work, to not be on your phone, to to really detach yourself from anything that's bringing negativity is so important. Like treating yourself, getting a massage, going for a walk, you know, going to the beach, whatever it is, that's very important. Recently, I was asked, what does mental health look like? And, you know, I gave a prime example and I don't mind giving. I hope you guys don't mind me giving the same example. But last year around Easter, as we all know, the Facebook killings happened. Steve Stevens was a close friend of mine. I knew him for almost 10 years. And at the time that the video was released, I was in L.A., I was at a music conference, and I was by myself. So, of course, when I first saw it, I broke down, like, was just sobbing, like, bawling even. 
but I had to immediately snap into survival mode in terms of fighting against my depression. The first thing was I made sure I wasn't alone. I had a friend of mine who was coming to scoop me up. That's like one of the best coping mechanisms. If anything else, just try not to be alone. Try to be with someone. So a friend of mine came, grabbed me. He was already going to take me around the city. So we just rode around the city together the whole day. I made sure to eat because a lot of times when you're depressed or when you're overcome by emotions, the last thing you want to do is ingest anything. Made sure to eat some broccoli <laughs> along with some chicken, you know, to make sure it was somewhat healthy. I uh, I talked about it. I called my pastor. You know, I didn't have access to my therapist, but I called my pastor and I just cried to her, you know, and she allowed me to cry and allowed me to grieve what was going on. Um, so talking about it is always a best practice, primarily with people you can trust. If it's not a professional, then a very close friend or a family member that's not going to judge you or look at you crazy or call you crazy for how you feel. Breathing. I did some breathing exercises. You know, a lot of times I hold my hand over my heart and my, my abdomen. Close my eyes, breathe in, hold it. And exhale. Like I'll do that like three or four times to help myself calm down as well. These coping mechanisms are what kept me from really derailing and really dropping down into that rabbit hole of darkness or what I like to call those cloud, those dark clouds, which are thoughts, depressing thoughts to hold us down. And because I still had the rest of the vacation there, you know, with this conference and my fiance was out there as well. So like I had to I had to get through the rest of that week, which I did. But I still also allow myself to grieve because, you know, eventually, you know, two days later, Steve took his own life. And so I had to deal with that as well. And it's an ongoing thing because since Steve passed, I've lost other friends. A week ago, Sunday was a prominent photographer, good friend, Alex who did a lot of work with Rake and, and all that. And I had no idea. Most people didn't know he was dealing with depression and anxiety. And he passed away. And so it's like, if I don't have those tools, that's my toolkit. I call that my toolkit. Those are the things that I do. If I don't have that, then I don't have mental health. And I acquired all of that from going to therapy. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your fraternity brother because mm -hmm. it was a fraternity brother that... I believe was the first person who kindly finally pushed you to go get help too. I yeah. feel like that's such a big part of what you do is kind of breaking down that stigma and just say it's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you decided to take that step and how you kind of developed a program, an outreach kind of programming that helps other people take those steps too. Uh, around 2013, no, 2014 maybe was when I decided I needed to go see a therapist. My fraternity brother, who was also a, uh, a psychotherapist, he basically nudged me. It was kind of like he could tell I wasn't really in a good space. You know, he was like, you know, you ever thought about going to therapy? And although I had thought about it, I never really went because I didn't know anyone else that looked like me that went to therapy. No one talked about it. So I, uh, through my job where I was working at the time, I tracked down a therapist. I wanted to ensure that this therapist truly understood my experience, the experience of an African-American male, 
in the 21st century. So my therapist is a black male. He's, uh, I think he's in his 50s. So he's kind of like a father figure. That to me was comfort. You know, just found out so many things about myself, found out that I was living with clinical depression for most of my life and didn't know what it was. It was undiagnosed. And then after the song Layers came out and it blew up, that was kind of my alert that this was something that needed to be heard more and more often. And that that coupled with people telling me that I should share my story. And so I developed, I just came up with this idea. Well, why don't we just do like a summit or an event where we have, we have actual mental health professionals, we have artists, we have, you know, people of faith, because that's kind of a stigma too. Like if you go to church, you don't go to therapy. Like there's, you know, to dispel all those myths. I mean, we did the first one at uh, the Warrensville Heights branch of the Kyle County Public Libraries. And I mean, it was a great success. We had like 70 people, the first one, you know, people standing up. Like it was really, it was a really great turnout. And then after that, it's just, it's kind of, it's grown, you know, and the original one I did, I put that together pretty much on my own. And then eventually I partnered with the city of Warrensville. We did an event at their local high school. And then my good friend, JD Caminero, who who's already running his own podcast, quote unquote, good dude, hip hop head, also has dealt with mental illness, mental health. You know, he wanted to join, you know, be a part of the conversation. I thought he would be a great co-host for these events and he just really got behind it. So he's helped with a lot as far as social media, as far as coming up with different program ideas. He and his girlfriend, Julia, they've been very, 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 very vocal with me in terms of how, how to put these programs together. And so, we actually have a couple events coming up next month with the Cuyahoga County Public Libraries. We have an event titled Strength in Numbers, which we, we did a representation of that last month uh, at the Happy Dog. We're doing it again, where we're going to talk about dealing with mental illness with friends and family, how to do that, and how there is strength in numbers to strengthen, you know, if you know how to have a conversation with someone, how to be that shoulder to lean on, how to not judge them. And then in, uh, and that's going to be at the Brook Park branch uh, on the west side. And then in July, so that one's on June 14th. And then the event in July is July 24th. That's going to be back at the Warrensville Heights branch. It's going to be called What's Up With Her. So we're going to deal, we're going to have conversations centered around women, women of color and mental illness. You know, we have Renee Jones who runs Renee Jones Empowerment Center. I mean, she, I think she's going to bring one of the survivors to talk about her experience. And then we've got local singer Donnie Lene, who's going to share her testimonies with regards to mental illness as well. So, you know, we're, we're, we're also start. we're just starting to think about other ways we can expand, you know, and not just talk about just my perspective, but sharing with other artists. And then as well as like maybe teams, you know, having a team run program, because that's, that's one of my main audiences I like to draw in. Like when we did the one last month at the Happy Dog, we actually it was the day of the March for Life. And we actually had two teen protesters that came and did just a dynamic performance of their piece that they did. So grateful to be working with a team that's helping me put all these things together.
Next up, we have a new song from Wesley Bright and the Honeytones, You Don't Want Me.
Up next, we have a few concert announcements for you, and uh, since we're in the middle of summer here, we wanted to highlight some of the outdoor concerts that take place in Cleveland. So we're gonna talk about Edgewater Live, Euclid Beach Live, and Wade Oval Wednesdays. The first Edgewater Live actually takes place on May 31st, and that is taking place right on Edgewater Beach. You can swim in the water while you're listening to music. And on May 31st, uh, you'll be able to hear music by Threat Level Midnight and Yachtly Crew. Yachtly Crew is a yacht rock 70s and 80s cover band. So, so that starts on May 31st, and after that, I believe it's every Thursday at Edgewater Beach. Um, it goes until August 2nd when the series wraps up. Another big event that we have recurring every summer is Wednesday night at Wade Oval Wednesdays in University Circle. So there's food trucks and vendors and obviously lots of live music. So if you just listen to Wesley Bright and the Honeycombs, they are kicking things off June 13th. But they have a real eclectic lineup all, uh, all throughout the summer, including R&B, blues, jazz, reggae, rockabilly, there's kind of a little something for everyone every Wednesday. So that's always a fun one to get outdoors. Everyone brings their masks and hangs out on the lawn. So it's a lot of fun as well. So one other weekly event that happens this summer is Euclid Beach Live. That kicks off on June 1st. And on June 1st, it'll be featuring the band Faith and Whiskey, which is this classic rock and country band. The event starts at 6, it runs until 9 every Friday night at Euclid Beach, so it's another good summery, Lake Erie event. Well that about wraps up episode 4 of the TUNEX podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Freeman Institute of Art once again for letting us record there. Stay tuned for much more TUNEX to come in the future. Bye!